invite you to remain standing for the reading of God's word from Romans chapter 13, verses 8 through 10, and then verse 14. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and whatever other command there may be are summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. Rather, clothe yourself in the Lord Jesus Christ. Be seated. Well, two weeks in a row, so hang in there. Um, a show that Kathy and I enjoy watching is one called Quantum Leap. Anyone familiar with Quantum Leap? Quantum Leap is an uh, ultimate show about time travel. Uh, and there was a previous Quantum Leap, and now, in, jumped in time, there's a new Quantum Leap. And, uh, uh, and they're trying, the character's trying to get back to the current time where there is. And in order to do that, keep leaping from, to, from a person's life to a person's life at different points in time. So in the original, Dr. Sam Beckett, and in the current now, Dr. Ben Song, uh, are... They're going and they show up and what's interesting is they, they suddenly pop into this person's life and one of the first things they have to do, they have to figure out when and where they are. What point in history have they landed? What's the circumstance? And one of the main ways to do that or one thing that helps is to look at the clothing that people are wearing. If suddenly they show up and you're wearing a cowboy hat and chaps, you're not in New York City anymore. You are elsewhere, okay? And so they look and they go around and of course... Basically, figure out where they are, and then they just save the world, you know, and then they pop into some of the place. Well, you need to watch it. And so, but here's the deal. Clothing has oftentimes been one of the things that help us at least gain an insight on someone's identity. It doesn't fully give it. But if someone shows up wearing a crisp, clean uniform, or, or maybe they're wearing a leather bomber jacket over a white t-shirt, or maybe it's a sundress and sandals, or or maybe it's a Tommy Bahama Hawaiian shirt. Looking at it maybe tells you a little bit about that person. Doesn't give you everything, but it tells you maybe a potential insight to their identity. Well, today we're going to find out that the Apostle Paul feels much the same way. That what we wear, our wardrobe, what it looks like, maybe says a lot about who we are. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are the God who speaks. And Lord, our prayer today is that through the words of my mouth and the meditation of our heart today, and your word would speak into our hearts this day. We pray in your son's name. Amen. So our journey through the book of Romans brings us now to chapter 13. And you know, one of the biggest challenges when you are preaching through whole chapters is you, you got to pick and choose. I mean, you just can't squeeze along in one sermon. It would be here a lot longer. So you pick and choose what you're going to do. And so remember last week we talked about salad bowls, okay, eight salad bowls and gifts uh, and using them rather than storing them away. Well, that also meant in chapter 12 we skipped over talking about the marks of a Christian, which we might talk about later on this sermon, and how uh, to treat our enemies and loving them by pouring burning coals upon their heads. That would have been a fun one. Well, as we come into chapter 13, we have to do the same thing. We have to kind of pick and choose where we're going. And, and in 13, we're going to pass over uh, what our relationship is to the government and what it means to obey the governing authorities and to whom should we be paying our taxes, not to mention who we're subject to debt. Again, so many fun topics that we could be talking about. We're going to pass over those too. But the reason we're passing over them is because 
each one of these topics, we found out, is grounded in the same thing. It's grounded in understanding what love is and the subject of love. And so before we can even approach those topics, we need to start with what Paul's understanding, what God's understanding of love is. Remember, Steve mentioned uh, a couple sermons ago that love would be coming up, the subject of love. And so this is the week we're going to take it on. So Paul addressed, like I said, multiple topics in chapter 12 and chapter 13. He talked about the marks of a Christian. This is in Romans 12, 9 through 10. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Maybe things we might say, this maybe things that Christians might be doing, this might be a mark for them. He talked about dealing with your enemies in Romans 12, 21. Do not overcome, be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. He talked about dealing with governing authorities in Romans 13, 3. Then do what is right and you will be commended. He talked about dealing with taxes and debt in Romans 13, 8. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. Forever loves others has fulfilled the law. And he talked about how to live among others who are maybe different than yourselves. In Romans 13, 10, love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. So in each one of these areas, it's a life that's submitted to God. Then when Christ's love becomes manifest within a person's life and directs them in those areas, the answer is always love. So let's look at three points here that Paul brings up in 13. First, the greatest controlling factor in our lives is the love of God. Um, have you ever been asked the question, why do you do what you do? Why are you the way you are? Um, I had the privilege to make several mission trips to Senegal in West Africa with an organization called World Vision. Senegal is about a 98% Muslim and animist country. Muslim and animist means that the different beliefs have come up through the systems all kind of mixed in one. And so when you go to Senegal, although it's not an Islamic government, it actually has a Catholic president, when you go there, you don't say you're a missionary. You go there and you say that you're a relief worker. This is what you're doing. And you go, and we stayed within the villages, and we helped them get clean water, and we helped them get build schools, and we helped them have medical clinics, and we helped them with food security. All these different things were done out of a love for Jesus. And so they would ask you, well, why do you do these things? Why do you do them? World Vision at the time used to have part of their mission statement was, Provoke the question for which Jesus is the answer. In other words, you don't tell them about Jesus to start with. Then they say, well, why are you doing these things? Why do you love us? Say, well, it's because Jesus loves me. I've been loved by Jesus, and I want to love you. Everything we do is controlled by the love of Jesus. To show you the results, after about 10 years of being there in Senegal, the two Muslim tribal chiefs, donated the land and helped build the house for the missionary outpost for the two new Christian missionaries who were coming. Ten years before, those chiefs would have led the stoning and running out of town of any Christian missionary. But love has an amazing result. It opens incredible doors. So Paul knew the power of this type of love. And he writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he says, If we are out of our mind, as some say, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For Christ's love compels us. 
because we are convinced that one died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. This was Paul's answer to those questioners who would say, Paul, why, why is your life so different now? Paul, why are you willing to be put in jail? Paul, why are you willing to be stoned and run out of town? Paul, why do you go through these shipwrecks? Paul, why do you do what you do? Paul, you're out of your mind. Paul's answer was, yep, maybe. But if I'm out of my mind, it's because of the love of Christ. God's love compels me to do what I do and to be who I am. Everything Paul did, every trip he took, every sacrifice that he made, every word he spoke, was a proclamation of Christ's saving death and resurrection. Paul's life was controlled by the love of Christ. So the word love here in the Greek is the word agape. It's a love seen in the benevolence of God in providing salvation for all people, exhibited by sending his son and giving him up to death for our sins. We're going to see this word multiple, multiple times as we go through today. So when Paul says in our passage in Romans 13, 8, let no debt remain outstanding except a continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. He means to love. In this case, the word agapeo, which is a derivation of agape. It's to love with a love that Jesus loved, laying down our lives sacrificially. And if we're loving like Jesus loved, we're fulfilling the law because we weren't doing any negative thou shalt nots. God's love is so great. It's a debt that can never be repaid. And so it's a love that knows no end. And it should control all that we do in a most wonderful, most strange and, and powerful way. So love controls us. Second, love is a conscious decision every day. Now, when I think of clothes hound, I don't think of Paul. Probably not. Probably not the big clothes hound. But Paul did have a lot of ideas as to what we should wear. And not so much in our clothing, but in our attitudes and the actions that make up part of our lives. Romans 13, 14 says, rather clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ. One of the great privileges you often get as a pastor is to perform a wedding ceremony for people. And as pastors, there's kind of like two extreme thoughts on here. One is, I've got a captive audience. I can talk as long as I want. Okay, I'm just going to give them everything, and this is my chance. They can't go, oh, yeah, the food's just waiting, they're all just fine. The other view is, they are so excited and pumped up on adrenaline and everything else, they don't hear a word I'm going to say. Just kiss the bride and let's go to the reception. Hopefully the truth is somewhere in the middle there on those two. And that's kind of where at least I land. Not that's right, that's where I land. And one of the passages that I love to preach from is Colossians chapter 3. Listen to what it says, starting in verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, agape, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Now, leading into this passage, Paul first is talking about putting off these things that don't lead to life, putting off wrath, malice, anger, uh, libel, all of these things that destroy relationships. 
So the goal is to help a couple to know and each of us to realize that love is a choice. It is something we can choose to do, to put on. It's not just a tingly feeling. It's an everyday choice to love as God loves. When Paul says we're put on Christ, he's saying that every day in our relationships, whether it's with friends, governing authorities, enemies, whoever the person is that we encounter in a situation, that we're to be controlled by the love of God. I know it's crazy, but that's exactly what Paul is saying. So lastly, being right does not always equate to being loving. That's a hard one. It's a hard one for me because I really like being right. But I've come to realize that being right is not always the most important thing. And being right doesn't always move people closer to the love of God. Romans 13.10 says, Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. You know, the very best people at being right, or at least maybe we should say being correct, were the Pharisees. When they accused the disciples of breaking the Sabbath by picking heads of grain when they were hungry, they were correct by the law. When they accused Jesus of breaking the Sabbath when he healed the invalid at the pool of Bethsaida, they were correct, at least per the law. When they brought the woman caught in adultery before Jesus and wanted to stone her to death, they were correct in regard to the law. But every time the Pharisees were technically correct by the letter of the law, their desire to be correct missed the very intent of what the law was, which was to bring people the love and compassion of God. The law is not fulfilled in strict adherence. It's fulfilled by loving Jesus as Jesus loved. So listen again. Last week we quoted Anders Nygren again from Nygren. To live in Christ, to walk in love, is something entirely different from living under the law and striving to fulfill all its requirements. And yet the law is fulfilled in it. Therefore, it can be said at the same time, if the Christian is free from the law, and then in him the law is fulfilled. Not by fulfillment of the law is the law fulfilled, but by life in Christ and in love. In other words, when we are in Christ, when we are loving as Jesus loved, then the law is fully fulfilled. You know, as we encounter people today who maybe think differently than us, who maybe have a different view on a social issue, who maybe belong to a, a different political party, who maybe have wronged us, who maybe think a particular style of worship is better over another style of worship? Do we, then, do we win them to Christ by winning an argument? Or do we love them with an overwhelming, sacrificial love to Christ? Last week in the contemporary service, Tony sang a song, led a song called Reckless Love. And the chorus says, Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Oh, it chases me down, fights till I'm found, leaves the 99. I couldn't earn it. I don't deserve it. Still, you give yourself away. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Too often in our world today, we spend a lot of time just trying to put labels on people and identify them. 
Oh, they're the ones because they do this. Oh, they're the ones because they think this. Oh, because, because, because. Imagine how different our world would be if instead we use John 13, 34 through 35. Jesus says, a new commandment I give to you, love, agape, one another. As I have loved, agapeo, you. So you must love, agape, one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have agape, love for one another. If you have a sacrificial love in the same way that God loved us, loves us in Christ. Now, if I were Steve, I would tell you about the indicative errors, active, and the subjective present, second, because they're both amazing. But in the long run, they both mean the same thing. It's not just a one-time action. It's love and keeps on loving. Love and keeps on loving. Both these tenses are ongoing. Not a once at a time, but a lifestyle of loving as Christ loved, an ongoing love. Um, in preparation for this sermon, as you would too, I was trolling through, scrolling through Facebook, you know, looking for inspiration. And every once in a while, you know, <laughs> you use what you got. So, and every once in a while, Zuckerberg comes up with something. Well, actually, it's the coaching, clergy coaching uh, came up with this incredible qu quote by Henry Nouwen. It says this, For Jesus, there are no countries to be conquered, no ideologies to be imposed, no people to be dominated. There are only children, women, and men to be loved. Let me read that one more time. For Jesus, there are no countries to be conquered, no ideologies to be imposed, no people to be dominated. There are only children, women, and men to be loved. Do you remember where we started today? Quantum leap. Okay, it's important. Let's go back to quantum leap and realize that clothes is what they use to help find their identity, at least when you're traveling through time and space. Um, this past week, um, Kathy decided to purge her closet. Um, so goodwill was visited many times as you went through. There's a lot of stuff that just didn't need to be there anymore. Uh, and some, the occasional question is, where did that come from? But goodwill said yes to everything. So here's the question. What about your closet? And we're not talking clothes now. What about your emotional closet? Scripture invites us to evaluate some of the things we're wearing, some of the things we're holding on to, grudges, attitudes, judgment, maybe even fears, things that keep us from fulfilling God's desire for our lives and to love as God loves. Choose love. Choose Jesus. Reach out. Take a chance. Get a little reckless. Now that would be an amazing identity to be known for, wouldn't it? Would you pray with me? Father, your love for us is incomprehensible. We don't understand what it means to sacrifice your only son that we might know you and be forgiven. And yet that is how you've loved us. 
So, Lord, would you help us to be your church in the world that is known by their love, their love for their community, their love for the world, their love as they live out the sacrificial love of Jesus. And in that, that we might fulfill the law of Christ and that you would be honored and glorified. We pray in your son's name. Amen.